We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to-do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. I've had great reviews from principals who have purchased the trauma course that I have available at jethrojones.com slash trauma. And it's not too late, not too late in the year to start talking about this. One principal recently got it and wanted to talk especially about self-care at this time of year, and that's a big part of dealing with trauma in your schools. So go to jethrojones.com slash trauma and get that course today. Welcome to Transformative Principal. I'm excited today to talk with Michael Reichert. This is a really good conversation, and I definitely encourage you to check out the book that I mentioned in there. I how to raise a boy and really you know it everything is all about relationships and that's what it is for boys i mean that's the short version of this podcast but you're going to learn a lot about michael's extensive knowledge about how boys learn and what they what makes them tick so anyway enjoy this conversation with dr michael reichert and i would love for you to uh send me some feedback about how this podcast is going, your thoughts, your concerns, people you'd like to hear from, uh, Jones at gmail.com. That's my email address. And I'd love to chat with you some more. So thanks so much for listening and enjoy this conversation. All right. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am so excited to have Dr. Michael Reichert on the program today. He's the founding director of the Center for the Study of Boys and Girls Lives at the University of Pennsylvania and a clinical practitioner specializing in boys and men 
and he has conducted research globally. And we are going to be talking about his book, How to Raise a Boy, The Power of Connection to Build Good Men. And I'm really excited about this because one of the things... Well, first, welcome to the program, Michael, before we get right into it. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Thank you, Jethro. I'm glad to be here. And, uh, you know, I love talking uh, talking about school and education stuff with, with professionals. So it'll be fun to talk. Absolutely. One of the things that I have been very concerned about as it relates to men and boys is this portrayal in the media, especially of how men are quote unquote supposed to be. And I think that that is really damaging to people, to both men and women about what a man looks like and acts like. And so can you talk a little bit about what the current expectation is of what men are like? And and then we can talk about some of the things you learned about how to help boys grow into strong adult men. Yeah, not a not a quick subject, but I'll try to try to no, do it succinctly. <laughs> so we find that that while stereotypes related to uh, girls and women have changed dramatically as a result of a you know forty fifty year women's movement uh, movement for equality and equity. There's been very little. Uh, work to counter stereotypes about boys and men. And as a result of that, cultural norms impact boys practically from the time that they're born and, and dramatically shape their development. Just as a couple of examples, a friend of mine, a teacher, a biology teacher at a school nearby, was carrying twins. She knew that one was a boy and one was a girl. And she said to me, I know which one's the boy. And I said, how do you know? He said, he's the one who kicks me. You know, she believed, like so many people believe, that boys are really defined by uh, biological uh, uh, innate traits, hormones, anatomical structures, brain differences. We no longer uh, can say that biology is destiny when it comes to girls and women, because the recent 40, 50 years have really shown us that that any, any idea we had that women were limited by biological or anatomical uh, characteristics was really debunked. But we still believe that largely about boys and men. So a psychologist at Stanford University uh, for her doctoral dissertation studying with Carol Gilligan outside of Boston embedded herself with a group of uh, about five, six, four-year-old boys and followed them for two years stayed with them, observed them, interviewed them, interviewed their parents, interviewed their teachers. And what she found in her book, which is titled When Boys Become, quote, Boys, Judy Choose Her Name, uh, what she found was that over the course of the two years from age four to age six, the boys changed dramatically as they absorbed the, the norms and began to perform masculinity the way that they felt that they needed to. So they started out at age four in her interviews and meetings with them, as she put it, direct, authentic, really able to be themselves, able to articulate what they wanted, who they were, what they felt. Uh, but over the course of those two years, they really changed. She put it, they, they traveled from presence, being themselves, to pretense by way of posturing. They adopted the mask of masculinity and became more inauthentic less willing to be vulnerable, less able to articulate their feelings. This is age four to six in a school. And the question, you know, arose, where did, their, where did this 
this, this really consequential conditioning come from? Uh, and it came from everywhere. It came from their teachers. It came from the other boys. It came from their parents. Uh, another bit of research conducted by that organization in Washington, D.C. that I was telling you about called a man box study interviewed uh, and surveyed about 1,500 men in three different countries, U.S., U.K., and Mexico, and essentially asked, uh, are there core messages that you receive about being a man? And indeed that there were, asked them to name those messages and, and those traditional you know, values like being stoic, being unemotional, being strong, being responsible. There were a set of of uh, behaviors and attitudes that belonged in a man box and a set of behaviors, attitudes uh, that were disallowed, that were outside of the conventional norms. And that the men who were more associated with the man box norms were, were men who were more depressed, more anxious, less happy, more prone to bullying and uh, to sexual harassment, sexual assault, and um, more prone to suicidal thinking, 40%. Wow. But they asked, where, they asked, where did you guys get these messages? 60% said from their parents. So, you know, you ask the question, are there uh, norms, pressures, stereotypes that, that play on boys and men and are these consequential? And the answer is, it's robust, it's alive, it's relatively unchanged, and it's terribly consequential. Now, my research has been both in families and in schools. And in schools, I, what I want to say, since we're talking to educators, is that schools are the second most important uh, organization or institution in boyhood and uh, uh, play a profound role in uh, organizing the conditioning, the socialization of boys into these traditional identities. And of course, we play a profound role in that because the boys and girls spend so much time at schools. And yet there's a lot that, that we do because of our system and institution that make it more challenging for those boys. Can you talk about some of those challenges that education traditionally puts up to prevent young boys from growing into good men? Well, I think that the, uh, there's, there's a number of different ways to answer that, but the immediate one is every school is occupied by what we call a hidden curriculum. There are historic norms and values and practices and beliefs that are embedded in the life of a school community. They come from uh, the school's traditions, the school that are built into practices and curricula. It, this, this hidden curriculum is tacit. It's often not uh, conscious or examined. It, it tends to be pretty fiercely defended. And uh, most educators, principals, school leaders feel as though they can't get their arms around it or get in charge of it. But here's the tragic thing, Jethro. Boys themselves have very little uh, efficacy any, or control over that, con that curriculum. They uh, are obliged to fit themselves to it, the opportunity structures and rewards of school cultures. If they dare not, they're often policed by other boys in, in systematic bullying. They often receive 
subtle or not so subtle messages from the adults in the community as well. We carry these beliefs, these hidden, you know, the norms of this hidden curriculum in our hearts, into schools. And uh, the most recent research I did was on the student-teacher relationship and the significance of that in boys' learning. And what I found was that, by and large, most of us educators, even those of us who had spent 50 years, you know, working in schools, we didn't really know what our experience should have taught us, that boys are relational learners. We still operate in a fog that, that, that you know, that I think that is, is created by these stereotypes and myths. Yeah. So can you address some of those things that we do that is part of the hidden curriculum and how that is not helpful in in helping boys be relational learners? What roadblocks do we put up that we may not be aware of? Well, it, it, you know, there's sort of a monochromatic uh, 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 or a sort of a one-dimensional type of male uh, masculinity that tends to be rewarded or recognized in school cultures. And, you know, we adults in the community, we, we sort of turn a blind eye to that. We think, well, that's just the community or those are, those are cultural norms that are, you know, not, not directly related to the work of educating our students. But the truth is that that hidden curriculum is tremendously consequential for the formation of self-concept. And it's directly related to how able uh, teachers are to fine-tune their instruction to the actual needs of the students in their classes and how well the boys are able to imagine their, their, their possibilities within the context of those constraints. So the hidden curriculum is very consequential. The adults feel like it's not their job to fix it. And the boys feel as though they have no power or control over, you know, resisting it or escaping it. So, you know, maybe I could tell you a little bit about this uh, relational learning study. Yeah, that'd be great. As, a, as an example. So my partner and I, uh, between us, as I, as I suggested, had 50 years of experience working with boys. We were commissioned to conduct a study in 36 different schools in uh, six different countries about 1,500 boys aged 12 to 18, and about 1,000 of their teachers. And we asked two questions in, the, in an online survey, and then we conducted follow-up focus group interviews. The two questions were, tell us a story about a relationship that went well. Tell us a story about a relationship that did not go well. We conducted this study. This was the second study that we conducted. The first was from 2007 to 2008. And the second was from 2010 to 2011. The first study, we had asked one simple question uh, uh, in 18 schools and similar numbers of, of participants. But we asked one question, which was, tell us a story about a learning experience that was, that was productive, that was positive. And the teachers described uh, uh, lessons that worked, and they tended to describe them with the, the detail of a technician. I designed this lesson you know, to follow this theory with these particulars. And, you know, there was a lot of uniformity in what both the boys and the, and the, and the teachers said worked about those lessons. They tended to, um, they tended to follow sort of certain themes. But, but there was one major theme that was really uh, produced or, or described for us by the boys themselves, not by the teachers at all. 
the boys where the teachers described the the details of the lesson uh, with great detail, the students described the particular features of their teacher with great detail, with warm, robust appreciation for teachers that had transformed them, made the difference for them, and with real strong feeling about teachers that had uh, not done something that the, the boy thought he should have done or in some way or other turned him off. What we realized was from, the, from that first study that boys are relational learners and that my research partner and I, with the 50 years between us and the thousand teachers that were in the trenches with the boys, neither of us really understood or recognized how relational boys were. We came to conclude that the relationship, the connection between the student and the teacher was essentially first base, that you can't engage a boy in learning. You can't ask a boy to go to that vulnerable edge where he must admit that he doesn't know something and depend on a teacher or a coach to help him acquire new skills. A boy is unwilling to do that absent some kind of relationship with a teacher who he feels knows and cares about him. Yeah. So what I find so fascinating about that is that every time we talk to educators about what they remember about their teachers yeah. as they've grown up, they never say any lessons. It's always about the relationship. And yep. we know that. And yet we have such a hard time as educators building that relationship. So I want to reiterate that point that a boy cannot learn unless that relationship exists. And that is just so, so powerful. So uh, next week, I'm going to start this the second half of the interview with this story in one of my schools where this boy just was really struggling. And the only thing that turned him around, the only thing that turned him around was a relationship. And how many times that has happened, I cannot even tell you. So look forward to the second half of the conversation with Dr. Michael Reichert next week. And thanks so much for listening to Transformative Principle. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.